0: Amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus in this place. Hey, go ahead and have your seats. I want to take just a quick moment, and I want to honor the incredible leaders in this house today. Uh, You don't just have good pastors. You don't just have focused pastors. Man, you got God-given pastors that literally, here's here's, here's here's what God has done for you. This is how much God loves you. He gifted you people of faith. Man, he gifted you people of vision, people of honor and integrity. He gifted you those people, and they deserve to be honored because at Highlight, we honor what? Up, down, all around. Make some noise for your pastors in this place today. Man, I'm excited about that and what God is doing in your life. I'm also excited because I get to celebrate and honor my wife, my boo thang, Pastor Yvette Clemens. She's my ride or die. Come on now. She's been rocking with me. We've been married for 14 years now, 14 years. We've been together for 18 years. And like Pastor Josh, we're in our 20s, and that's what we're going to tell you. That's the story that we're sticking to. You hear me? That's what we're sticking to. <laughs> You're not about to know my age. Hey, so we're in, we're in the series, uh, Brother James, and uh, Pastor Chow led the way last week, brought an incredible word, and I get to follow up with that. Hey, we want to welcome you online as well. Um, my name is Pastor Ed, like he said, and I'm excited to be here today. We had an incredible time with our pastors last night. We had a funny, funny dinner. I mean, we even broke out in the black, happy birthday song, uh, <laughs> You know, the Stevie Wonder version, you know what I'm talking about? Somebody said, that's the real one. (laughs) We actually broke out. I mean, we had a great time. We shut the place down. They had to cut the lights on. You know, you know, you don't overstay your welcome when they're cutting lights on and off, trying to signal you to get out. But man, we had such a great time. Listen, the honor and the love that we have uh, been shown has just been of a next caliber and next level. And man, I'm just thankful to God to be here today. But I'm ready to preach. Are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? All right, we're going to James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27 is on the screens. But if you have your glow-in-the-dark Bible, that works here too at Highlight. James 1, 19 through 27. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And uh, it starts off by saying, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And it says, if anyone thinks he is religious, Do not bridle your tongue, but deceive his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the the world. Unstained by the world. Let's quickly pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this moment that you're going to impart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as I begin to unwrap this message, I want to begin to announce to you that we serve a God of systems. God is a God of systems. In order for you to really understand how to work what God is putting in his word, you have to understand that he is a God of systems. He operates through systems. And it is rare, rare, very rare in scripture that you will find God actually doing the same thing twice in a row or actually doing one thing twice the same way. It is very rare that you will find God doing this. Why? Because when God does a thing one time, He creates a model for that thing and He puts a system in that model. So when you work that system, you get the results of what He has put into place over and over and over again. You can work God's system and get God results. Amen? You can work God's systems and get God results. This is very valuable to the Christian faith. This is very valuable to the believer because we got to understand that God has systems, so does society. (laughs) If God has systems, so does your past. If God has systems, so does your family. And God put systems in place so that you can begin to experience true life in Christ. It's true because even with Adam and Eve, God created not just woman and man, God created husband and wife. And when God created husband and wife with Adam and Eve, he actually put them into the Garden of Eden and he told them to operate in in complete harmony. Uh, She knew her role and he knew his role and they operated in complete harmony. And that tells me that God's system for the fruit of marriage is unity. But when there's division in the house, when there's distraction in the house, when someone comes and tries to tear up the house, when the marriage is failing and things aren't going the way that they expected something, tells God and calls his attention, and he looks at the thing, and he says, what is interrupting my system? What is interrupting my system? And you have to be bold enough and courage enough to look at your life and say, is there something violating the system that God put into place? And it's very, very important that you understand how God operates, because he said, the two shall become one flesh. That's the system. Two shall become one flesh. So whatever is dividing you and stopping you from being one flesh, it is violating the system that God put into place for your marriage to function and have healthiness in what God has put into place. Amen? The same is true for success. Success has a system. Success is systematic. In order for you to experience success, you can either follow society's system or you can follow God's system. And the problem with society's system is what I've come to realize is society's system will actually make you give up what you're more than what you're willing to give up. Before you look at it, you've actually given up more than you thought you were supposed to give up or what you expected to give up when you are in society's system. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about integrity. I'm talking about your honor. I'm talking about your mental state, right? I'm talking about all the things that you have to give up in order to operate in society systems for success. But God says that if you will operate in my system, I actually can allow you to be successful with just your integrity. I can allow your character to make you successful. I can allow your honor to make you successful. So if he says, if, if, if your integrity, if you prioritize your integrity and your character, it's like Walmart doors. You know, you show up to Walmart, it senses your body, the doors open. There's opportunities that will sense your integrity and they'll just open for you. There's doors that will sense that you are no longer self-reliant on your own way or your own thought and doors will just open for you there are connections that you're trying to put into place or people are trying to manipulate their way through. But God says, if you would just trust me, when you show up, connections would just happen for you. (laughs) Because that's my system. God is saying, this is my system for success. And so when you're not motivated in life or you're not moving in life or life isn't being fulfilled and you're experiencing rejection and doors are closing and there's no advancement in your life. It calls God to attention and he begins to ask himself, what is interrupting my system? Who in your life or what in your life is violating my system? Who is coming against what I put in place to cause you to succeed in your faith? This is how God operates. This is how God operates. And the good news is this. The good news is this. If you failed or you're currently failing, if you've waited or you're currently waiting, if you are settling or currently settling, if you have settled or currently settling in God's kingdom, you can begin to go again, start over and get a brand new system for your journey. Because if it's not working, God is saying that I still have a system for your life. All you got to do is adopt my system. If you adopt my system, then you will see the results. Because here's the truth. God's systems for you is God's love towards you. God's systems for us is God's love towards us. God says, I love you enough to show you how to operate in your marriage. I love you enough to show you how to operate in your finances. Like, I love you enough to show you how to actually have healthy relationships. Like, I love you enough to show you, and let's praise God for this one, how to parent these kids. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Because we trying to figure it out, Lord. Everybody trying to figure it out. Man, we need a system, not a self-help book. We need God's system. Not, Not a parenting devotional. I just need, what's the system to get these kids to behave, God? Amen. Somebody say amen. Here's the good news. When you understand God's systems, life becomes more predictable. You want to know why? Because when God creates a system, it is meant to work. It is meant to produce results. So the results that you are seeing is a result of the systems you are working Whatever the results you're seeing is a result of the systems that you are working. And I love this because God has put a system in place for marriage. He's put a system in place for friends. He's put a system in place for leadership. Put a system in place for your journey of success. But God has also put a system in place for your faith to actually function the way it was supposed to. And that's where we see brother James because James comes on the scene and James looks around at all the believers of his day and he says there is something broken in the system. Of the Christian faith, if you don't know about James, James is Jesus' brother. I don't like to say his half brother. Listen, we are blood brothers. It doesn't matter. We brothers. I got nine brothers, and uh, people will easily say those my half. Those my brothers. You know what I'm saying? James was Jesus' brother. He rocked with James. He was there with James. He was raised with James. That's his brother, right? And James also became a leader in the church for 20 years. James led in the church, the early church, one of the first churches. James was an incredible leader in the church. And through this, James got to see from a first, you know, first eye perspective, he got to see how believers actually operated and behaved in the middle of trials and tribulations. Because that early church in that time, this is what happened, they actually began to experience hardships. Famine was in the land that led to their poverty. Then they were being persecuted by Jewish leaders of the day. This was a Jewish church. So you mean to tell me I'm hurt by people that look Like me, but that don't believe like me, and they're coming to kill me. And James is looking at them and he says, Yes, but you still are supposed to succeed. You still are supposed to endure. You still are supposed to overcome. That does not change your identity. What's happening is there's a break in your faith, it is not functioning the way it was supposed to. So when you're ready to give up, that is a faith that is not functioning properly. Does that make sense? So James sees this and he says, oh my God, there's a break in the kingdom of God's systems when it comes to faith. These Christians are growing in knowledge, but they're not growing in implementation. They're sitting under the teaching of Jesus, but they don't know how to implement it in their life. They're sitting under the word but they're not working the word. They're hearing the word, but they're not working the word. And that's why I love Highlight Church, because we're going to always bring the word. Amen. But it's your responsibility to work it. It's not Pastor Josh's responsibility. It's not Pastor Kyra's responsibility. It's not Pastor Child's responsibility. It is our responsibility to work the word. Amen. And so James notices that there's a break in the system, in the kingdom of God, that's not producing world changing results. And then he realizes what's happening. He realizes that they're actually missing out on something important. They're not becoming whole and complete in their faith because they have saving faith, but they don't have active faith. (laughs) See, they started out with saving faith where they believed in Jesus. They believed that they, no, they needed Jesus. They accepted that fact, but they never put what Jesus said into practice. And he's looking at these Christians and he wrote this letter. And here's the beautiful thing. He didn't just write it to his church. He wrote it to you and I today. He wrote this with the intention of every believer that was going to read this, this letter, we were going to fix. Watch this. The fracture in their faith. And that's the title of my message, Fractured Faith. Because James wanted to be your physical therapist, and he want to invite you into faith rehab, and he wants to rehabilitate your faith to a point where you are complete and whole, and it's actually producing the results that you need to see in your life. World-changing results. And this is what we are doing. So it's very very essential that we understand what James is doing here in this chapter. And uh, it's one thing to attend church on a Sunday. It's another thing to serve as a superhero. And we love our superheroes. Come on, make some noise for our superheroes. Without you, this thing would not be possible. We love our light group leaders. Come on, light groups. Let's go. So incredible. Love everything about what God is doing. But can I tell you this one thing that is still not the next level of faith? The next level of faith is putting into action what God told you to do. That's the next level of faith is learning. Lord, how do I put into action what you told me to do? That's the next level of faith. So we got to ask ourselves, am I fractured in my faith? I had to ask myself this question, and actually, your incredible pastors—they uh, uh, know how to ask right questions, right? They're so looking so intently into your life. You know, they're not asking you how the weather is and how the job going. It's like they're looking in your soul and say, "Hey, what is the Lord speaking to you right now?" Okay, what is the emotional state of your mind right now? I know that season was tough. Where are you right now? I want to know, and I'm like, dang, I'm not ready. I wasn't. I wasn't ready. So we're at dinner with them last night, and he's just leaning over, asking all these questions, and I wasn't ready. I'm like, we got egg rolls in front of us and cornbread, you know. I'm ready to eat, but hey, let's do it. That's, just, that's the amazing passage you got, right? going to look you dead in your soul. Not going to look at the superficial. I love that, though, because what he's doing is he's trying to rip off the mask. Trying to rip off the mask and get to a place where he know you're actually going to hear what he has to say. But I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. So he asked me, he asked me a question about our journey and where, you know, where the Lord has my wife and I now in ministry and where he's taking us in ministry. And uh, just to give you a little background, my wife and I were pastors at a church and we actually closed that church uh, three years after planting that church. And uh, here, here's what I realized uh, until he asked me the question and, I, and uh, I had to actually verbalize it and communicate it. Um, although I survived that season, something still was stolen from me that season. See, the Bible says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And we think we, he's only after destruction, but you got to pay attention. he's also after stealing something. So you may survive the season, but you lost your optimism. You may have survived the season, but you lost your, your encouragement. You may, have, you may have survived the season, but you lost your faith and trust in God. You may have survived the season, but you lost your trust in people. Because the enemy stole that from you. And I had to realize that well, is my faith in my calling fractured because the enemy stole something from me. And that's exactly what's happening. I started to label myself as just a greeter at the door. And there's nothing wrong with greeting. There's nothing wrong. We love our greeters. But I started to say there's nothing more for me beyond that. There's nothing more for me beyond this level that I'm at. I'm not going to go there because why? I'm not qualified, nor am I able to do it, I started to begin to tell myself how I feel about my own future and begin to live and believe that. And I had to recognize and realize through your pastor, I got fractured faith. I had fractured faith. And when I when I begin to diagnose what I actually had, that's when I started the healing process. You can't start the healing process until you diagnose what you actually have. How am I going to experience the fruit that God wants me to experience if I don't know the source of my brokenness? If I don't know the source of what's actually stopping me from being somebody who can go from just saving faith to active faith. Somebody who actually begins to do crazy faith. Somebody who, somebody who I don't need you to encourage me to encourage me because I'm going to encourage myself, Right. How do I go from that place? And then I just begin to diagnose and see what the Lord wanted to do. And James helped so much. And this is what it says. And this is what I want us to do because I want to help us to diagnose fractured faith. I want to help you diagnose fractured faith. And this is a question you got to ask yourself. Is my faith fractured? Is my faith fractured? And here's my first point. Here's how you diagnose it. Am I accepting God's word? If you don't know you have fractured faith, here's how you diagnose it. Ask yourself, am I accepting God's word? This is what James says in 121. He said, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Woo. Here's James. Brother James is telling you, I see the system broken. and I'm about to tell you how to fix the system. Are you humbly accepting God's word? So you got to understand this because here's the truth, right? Here's the truth. There's words always being spoken to you and there's words you're always accepting. And there's actually a word that's spoken to you more than anybody else. And those are your words. (laughs) You are the one who is speaking to you more than anybody else is speaking to you. Am I am I telling the truth? You are speaking to you more than anybody else is speaking to you. You may be even speaking to you a little too much. To <laughs> so where you look around ain't nobody else around, but you talking and you asking questions and it's like ain't nobody here. <laughs> There's nobody here. Nobody here to answer my questions. You could be speaking to you just a little bit too much. And when you're speaking to you more than anybody else is speaking to you, you start believing your words over God's words. You start believing, no, I'm not equipped. You start believing, no way I can make this happen. No way I can forgive that. No way I can overcome this. No way I can step into this role and be this person. There's no way I can do what, look at my bank account. <laughs> that hit different for some of y'all. <laughs> it's like, wow, Woo, that's true. Look at my bank account, Jesus. Some of y'all turned it into a prayer. Would you just, Jesus, look at my bank account. <laughs> can you help me, Lord. There's no way I can actually do what you're calling me to do. And the problem is you're accepting your words more than you're accepting Jesus' words. And you have to get comfortable in being a humble believer that says, I'm going to go with what God speaks over what I'm speaking. Because God's word is actually what I need. And John James is communicating this to the Christians believers. He's saying, listen, God's word has an ability to actually save you. He says God's word has an ability to actually save you. And this is why we don't trust God's word. This is why I struggled sometimes in my faith growing up trusting God's word because I did not actually believe it can save me. (laughs) I didn't actually believe the system of God's word was actually going to work in my life. And because I didn't believe it, I didn't accept it. And here's what happens when you don't accept God's words. There's three things that goes under that. Three things that goes under that. When I don't accept God's word, here's it. I don't accept God's way. Because God's way doesn't make sense. So there's no way I'm going to be able to accept your way because your way doesn't make sense. What makes sense is what the culture will try to tell you. Let me try it before I buy it. See, that makes sense, because why would I want to buy a lemon? (laughs) So they're saying is the system that God put in place for purity before marriage doesn't make sense. So don't do it God's way. But you have to be bold enough to say, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. There's results that I'm going to get when I actually step into purity and prioritize how God does marriage. So when you accept God's word, you have to accept God's way. It doesn't make sense. And these things are going to look weird to people. It's going to look weird for them, for you to go back to family members and say, why in the world did you forgive him when he did what he did to you also to me? That makes no sense. But that's God's way. Because I'm not only, I'm not supposed to just forgive others. God, I'm supposed to forgive because God has forgiven me. That's the system. So I forgive because I've been forgiven. That's the system. But the world will tell you a different system, which is no, hold on to that offense. Hold on to that hurt and actually treat everybody else that comes into your life like they did what that person did to you. And now people have to suffer. For what somebody else did to you and you wonder why we wonder why the cycle of relationship keeps turning over and over because it's the system that we're stuck in because we got to accept god's way here's the second one under that you got to learn how to accept god's will when i accept god's way when i accept god's word i accept god's will but pastor god's will isn't clear i know That's why it's God's will. (laughs) It's his will, not your wants. See, the next level of faith is saying, God, I'm not just going to trust you with the protection over my life. Like I'm not going to go to hell because I'm saved. Right. Like I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to trust you with just my protection, but I'm going to trust you with my pleasures here on earth. I'm not just going to trust you with my protection. That's saving faith. Woo! Saved! Come on, somebody. <laughs> Pastor uh, Josh preached a sermon and he said the, the oven that he opened up and then the, the, the smoke, that, the, the heat that came out and he realized he wasn't made for hell. Thank you, Lord, for the saving faith. Thank you, Lord, for saving faith and protecting us from hell. But next level is am I going to trust him with my wants and my pleasures? Because I don't know what I need. God knows what I need. If I knew what I needed, I would have stopped making the decisions that I'm making. I would stop turning to the people I'm turning to. I would stop searching for other people's validation. I would stop trying to go and live my life in someone else's shoes. I would try to stop trying to put myself on the back burner to make other people feel comfortable. If I knew what I needed, I wouldn't have experienced a lot of the pain that I've experienced. And so when James is saying, James is saying, if you're going to accept God's word, you have to have humility. Because the humble believer says, Lord, I need you. The humble believer says, Lord, I can't trust my own track record. (laughs) You have to accept God's way and you have to accept God's will. Here's the third one. Under that accepting God's word, you have to accept God's why. You have to accept God's why. Help us, Lord. Brother James, Brother James. That hurts a little bit. See, rehab is not void of pain. Because sometimes you got to stretch yourself out in order to get back nimble how you used to be. And when you stretch stretching beyond what you are used to, what you're doing is you're unlearning what you've always learned. And what people will tell you about God is they'll tell you that because he's good, everything in your life is supposed to be good. And when nothing, when bad shows up, you ask God why? Because you're supposed to be good. But the next level of faith says it feels bad, it looks bad, it actually shouldn't have happened to me because I've been doing what I was supposed to do. It shouldn't be hard for me because it actually, I've been doing what I was supposed to do and it's coming hard to me but coming easy to them. Why? Why? It be like that. My boy said be like that. It be like that. Why God? Why? The next level of faith says, if you have me in it, it's because you're trying to produce something in me. And I may not know. I may not always know what it is. But I'm going to trust and accept your word. Your way, your will, and your why. And I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to trust you anyway. I'm going to forgive them anyway. I'm going to move out anyway. I know my bank account looks like it. Why did it happen to me, Jesus? (laughs) But I'm going to give anyway. I'm going to step out on purpose anyway. I'm going to take care of the person that nobody wants to take care of Anyway. I'm going to forgive them anyway. Why? Because you know what I need. And you know what you're doing, and I don't. James is trying to fix a fracture in the faith of the believer. Because he's saying it is too much happening. When life gets hard, you shouldn't walk away from God. When life gets tough you shouldn't be questioning God. You should begin to function in a way that your faith makes you complete and whole. There's a story in the Bible called, uh, a man in the Bible called Abraham. If you know Abraham, Abraham is known as the father of many nations. And God gives Abraham this, uh, instruction or this command or this declaration that I want to make you a father of many nations and I'm going to birth a son through you. And Abraham is a hundred years old. That don't make sense, God. Him and his wife, that don't make sense. And he's like, God, I know, I know that's your way that you want to do it, but some things aren't functioning (laughs) at a hundred years old, okay? (laughs) Some things just, they broke, okay? (laughs) Some things are just broke at a hundred years. I don't actually know if I want to at at 100 years old and God says but that's the way I want to do it and Abraham says okay if that's the way you want to do it Sarah come on come on Sarah get over here let's go woman and Sarah she always like I don't know about this Abraham it's been 40 years y'all not know if you still got it That is God's way that he wanted to bring the nation through Abraham. And Abraham said, if that's your way, it don't make sense. But I'm going to do it. What doesn't make sense in your life that God still wants you to obey? That don't make sense, God. And then God goes on after the day birth, after birth. Uh, you know, he told him the Then Abraham and Sarah, they go and have another child outside of God's system. So they denied God's will, because that was the way I wanted to do it. And my will was your first son was going to be the son that I was going to birth everything through. But they go and they had a baby through another woman, their handmaid. And this is what happens: the other son came. His name was Ishmael. The Ish- Ishmael and his mother had to leave their house and live in the wilderness, because they didn't do it God's way. When you don't do it God's way, people are damaged. When you don't do it God's way, people are damaged. Ishmael and his mother had to suffer for what Abraham and Sarah tried to do on their own. God gave them grace. Praise God for grace. Amen. They was able to have another baby. And this is what God does then. Then God tells Abraham, I want you to sacrifice the boy. What? (laughs) I want you to sacrifice the boy. Abraham says, Oh, my God. Well, let me go worship. Gathers all the materials, goes up the mountain, takes the boy with him. I will be asking God, why? That makes no sense. Why? And it wasn't at the moment he actually said yes, it wasn't at the moment he climbed the mountain, It was at the moment where he laid his son on the altar and at the highest point of the acts, that's when God intervened because that was the highest point of his faith. Oh my God. Did you miss that? It was at the highest point of his faith in his obedience that God intervened. So God didn't intervene when he said, okay, God, and he tried to prepare his own plans. God didn't intervene when he said, "Okay, God, and you wrote it down in your journal. God didn't intervene when you said, "Okay, God, and you had a counseling session with your pastor and told your pastor, this is what God put on my heart. But that was also two years ago. (laughs) It was at the highest moment of action that God intervened. And the Bible says God sent the ram to replace what rams are in bushes waiting for you. What things that God wants to release in our life. That's how faith functions. Why am I not seeing the fruit? Because you are not at the top of your action in your faith. That didn't make sense. But he had to accept God's word. The why, the will, and the why. The the way, the will, and the why. Pastor, that all sounds good. But what's the next one? Here's the next one. You need to audit your actions. You need to audit your actions. James says this in one twenty-two through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently in his own nature, in his own natural face in a mirror. And for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres, Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed by what he is doing. James begins to look around and he notices that there's a a fracture in the faith, that there's actually a lot of athletes in the Christian faith, but not a lot of champions. Because an athlete has form, but he doesn't have the fruit, what's required to win the championship. And he's saying that you guys have the form, you're showing up, you're serving, you're here, you're praying, but you're not acting. And in order to be a champion, you got to realize, who am I modeling? Who am I watching? Well, I'm watching Jesus because he's the greatest champion. And Jesus said, Jesus himself, he was the greatest champion. He cared for the widows. He held his tongue. He did not chase wealth. He didn't let his anguish stop him from advancing to the cross. Jesus sat with sinners. Jesus broke down racial barriers. Jesus prayed to his father. Jesus persevered forward in his purpose, even when nobody else in his hometown believed or supported him. Jesus was a champion. And if you want to work your faith, you too can be a champion. And here's how you fix the fracture when you're trying to audit your actions. you got to ask yourself three things. Am I acting based on how I feel? I know what I want to say. I know what I don't want to say. I know what I want to do, and I know what I don't want to do. I know what my emotional state is today, and I'm good with that. And so, if you ask me something, the emotional state that I'm in will determine whether I'm going to obey it or not. That's a fractured faith. Another way that faith is fractured if you're acting comp- because of formality is learned behavior. You've learned from other churches or other believers or other places this is how I behave. So, I actually don't receive God's grace when I make a mistake actually receive condemnation from the enemy that's learned behavior it will paralyze you it'll paralyze you or, and there's the third one or are you acting based on the fruit of your life because when you're acting based on the fruit you become complete and whole here's why because then your actions over time become your values your actions over time become your values your principles Become a part of your personality. (laughs) Your priorities shift at that level of faith. At that level of faith, no longer conforming to the world's patterns is cool. At that level of faith. Because now it is not, forgiveness is is not what I do. Forgiveness is who I am. Because now grace is what I've practiced. And offense doesn't stick to me like it used to. because I practice grace because I forgave the coach and then I forgave the teacher and then I forgave my boss and then I had to forgive my dad and so now what you do to me just falls off me because I'm used to forgiving I'm used to grace and so when God tells me to do something it comes natural because now it's in me do you hear what I'm saying there's things God wants to get in you to make it natural so when I hear God's word I do God's word (laughs) because I'm not doing it out of feeling or formality. I'm doing it because that's the fruit that God has built in my life to do and be obedient to what God tells me to do. And here's the last one How do I diagnose the fracture? One, I need to accept God's word, the band can come up. Two, I need to audit my actions. Three, I need to be aware of my allegiance. I need to be aware of my allegiance. I don't know if you knew this, but James actually was not a supporter or a believer of Jesus. He didn't start out that way. He was very unsupportive. He was not a believer of what Jesus said or did or anything. But the Bible says that he starts this chapter off saying that I am a bond servant of the Lord Jesus and my master. What happened? He experienced saving faith, but at some point down the road, he stopped looking at Jesus as just his brother and started looking at him as his master. And he says, I'm now more loyal to Jesus than I am myself. I'm more loyal to Jesus than I am my past. I'm more loyal to Jesus than I am my patterns. I'm more loyal to Jesus. So he's checking his allegiance You want to fix the fracture. Church, Christians, believers, are we more loyal to ourselves, our pleasures, our wants? Are we more loyal to Jesus? Because being more loyal to Jesus, the fruit that is bared in your life, that's when widows are cared for. That's when orphans are taken in. That's when transformation starts happening. That's when revival is sparked in the city. Do you hear what I'm saying? Churches are built when I'm more allegiant to Jesus than what somebody else said about my future. Highlight is here because your pastors were allegiant to Jesus. When you wasn't here, when your kids wasn't here, when you wasn't given... All they had was a word, their actions, and their allegiance. And do you see what God has built? Do you see what God has done? Do you see the fruit? Do you see the fruit? And so God wants us to understand that you don't have to live fractured anymore. If you're not seeing progress, if you're not seeing movement, if you're not seeing fulfillment, if you're not seeing peace, if you're not seeing breakthrough, If you're not seeing revival, if you're not seeing freedom, is there a fracture? Is there a system you're working that doesn't work? And I want to give you an opportunity today. Those who say, yeah, I I need this word. I I hear this word. But I know I need Jesus. Jesus more than anything now cause my system ain't working. My way isn't working. My will isn't working. Would you close your head? Close your eyes. You can't close your head. Some people need to close their head. <laughs> That'll preach by itself right there, Pastor Pastor John. Whoo, that's a word. Stop leaning on your own understanding. Whoo Bring me back next week. I'll preach your name. But in this moment, I just want to re- allow you to receive what the Lord is depositing. If, if you are here today and you've not made that decision to follow Jesus as a church, we're going to pray with you. And I want you to f- repeat after me and pray this prayer. I just want you to say and repeat after me, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for my sins. I repent now for the systems that I relied on that was outside of yours. And now I want to put my allegiance in Jesus. I accept him. I believe him. And now I'm going to walk with him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together for Jesus in this place? Hallelujah.